The Bible reading today is from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave and smeared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his, praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, when you favoured me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction? in my going down into the pit. Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Hi, I'm Andrew Sylvester. I'm uh, one of the ministers at Chatswood Presbyterian Church under Jeff Reed, and it's a great privilege to come here to share the God's Word with you today. As we read this passage, I think we're going to see a few different questions be answered. What is the purpose of church, and what does God want me to do? What does God want us to do? So if we come to today's text, hopefully we'll answer some of these questions, but it's very mindful that we should probably stop and pray that God would speak to us through his word. Let's bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, be with us all today. Give us humility as we read your word. As we come to your word, Lord, we pray that you would uh, soften our hearts, encourage us and remind us of who you are and what you've done for us. Strengthen us to be able to live out the things you've called us to do, that we may give glory to you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Whilst the 1930s had the Great Depression, right now we're going through what's called the Great Resignation. In America last year, more people resigned in the month of April than they'd ever resigned before. And then May, June, August, September, broke the records every single time. Everyone was resigning their jobs. The great resignation. What was happening to drive this? Why were people giving up on their jobs? Why were people tossing these things away? Well, it's obvious it was the pandemic. The lockdowns, causing everyone to stop, reevaluate, see what was going on made everyone restructure their lives and, and realise what was important. They thought about, what is the purpose of all these things? What's, what's the purpose of doing this? What's the purpose of doing that? It was a time of a restructuring. Everyone threw up everything in the air and started again. That all happened in the, the US last year, and they're saying that in January this year, it's going to start happening to us as we've come out of lockdown too. And as we do this, as I think we can actually start to lose focus of what's really important. When everything's going up in the air, 
What's important? What's the purpose behind things? I think that happens in church as well. It's happening to us. We, we do feel a bit lost and disorientated. Not as many people are sitting here. They're, they're sitting online. They're watching at homes. Some people have been stuck watching sermons online for two years. These large-scale trials that we go through they have big ramifications, and they make us all a bit confused. We all get a little bit hazy. We forget, wait a sec, what is it we're doing? Why are we doing these things? When it's so disorientated, what we need is we need solid ground. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to read God's Word. We're going to be grounded in what God's Word has said to us to give us some structure and understanding about what it is that God wants us to do. What's the purpose of this? What's the purpose of meeting together as church? What's the purpose of us being church? As we go through this, we're going to have a look at what the psalm is saying. We're going to look at what the psalm is saying to us today. See, God inspired David to write this psalm to remind the people of their purpose, to remind the people of the purpose of the temple. Because it was a psalm of dedication. You'll see that at the very start of this psalm, it says, a psalm of dedication. And things, they're dedicated out of love and they're dedicated for a purpose. For example, a building might be dedicated for the research of particular sciences. A building might be dedicated for health and providing health. They love people and so they try to provide a service. They're there for the purpose of providing health for people. Things are dedicated out of love and a purpose. But we see here in this psalm, it's a psalm of dedication. It's a psalm of dedication for the temple. David wrote this psalm of dedication for the temple. Now what is a temple? Because we don't call this building here a temple. Uh, Christians don't call buildings temples. What is a temple? A temple is... A place where God dwells. We know that God doesn't dwell in the bricks and mortar of this place. A temple is where God dwells. But in the Old Testament, they built a temple for God because God would uniquely dwell in that place. His name would be there. His name would be there so the world would know who he is. The world could praise him and the world could pray to him. And they're the things that we're going to see as we read through this psalm. We're going to see these three things that this psalm is dedicated for. Let's just read the start of the psalm, because as we read this context, the whole psalm is, uh, gets some context and structure because of that. If this, de- if this context wasn't written at the top of the psalm, that is wide word, we wouldn't be thinking about the temple as we read this psalm, but we know because of this context, it's written there that this is for the temple. If you look at Psalm 30, if you look at the start of the psalm, the, the top says, a psalm, a song, for the dedication of the temple of David. As we start to read this song, uh, we read the first purpose the temple is for. We're going to get through, there's going to be three major purposes that we see. Those major purposes are for proclamation, for prayer, no, for praise, and for prayer. Proclamation, praise, and prayer. The first part, it talks about proclamation. The purpose of this temple was to proclaim God to the world. To make him known to the world. David knows the world needs to know who God is and what he's done. We know how desperate David was as we read this, but how reliable God was. 
David proclaims this dedication. He says, your greatness needs to be known. You need to be exalted. You need to think above everything. Everyone needs to know God. Why? Because God saved David from his enemies. God healed him from disease. And God saved his life from death and destruction. These days we have plenty of ads telling us great things that these mediocre painkillers do. This mediocre painkiller, it... I saw my daughter in the morning and I couldn't get up, but I rubbed this on my back and my life was all better. These ads are everywhere telling us how great they are. What if, what if God was a pain, one of these painkillers? It'd be the best ad of all time. And it's supposed to the temple is supposed to proclaim God to the world. What can God do? God can make sure your enemies don't gloat over you. What can God do? God heals people from disease. What can God do? He lifts people out of the realm of destruction. God needs to be known. The world needs to know God. David says the first point of the temple is so the world would know God. That's why the temple was built in between the three major superpowers of the world. The world needed to know God. The first point of the temple is they need to proclaim God. We see this as we read through this psalm. The first verse says... I will exalt you, Lord. That's the purpose. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths. You did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. What a ringing endorsement of God. This is a God the world needs to know about. That's why the first point of the temple was to proclaim God to the world. The second purpose of the temple was to praise God. Praise God because his name was holy. His name was above everything else. And the reason why these people, God's people, should sing to God, sing praises to God, is hope. Hope. God's people are never in despair. Bad things happen to God's people. Suffering happens to God's people. God's people struggle, but they know these times will end. They can sing praises to God. They can shout for joy. They know that these times will end, that the small bit of suffering will well up into something much greater, much bigger. Just like your parents would tell your kids, you need to study. It's hard right now. But you know the benefits are going to be so important. Just That's what God is like too. The suffering is small, but we know the benefits are more important. The benefits are going to go forever. The faithful are going to sing for joy because they know suffering will end. They know there is life beyond death. So they need to, the second point of the temple was they need to sing to joy. Sing for joy to God for what God has done. Let's read that from verse 4. From verse 4. The second point of the temple. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Singing these praises isn't always out of sheer joy. Sometimes these praises are there for those times that we're struggling that we are in the midst of the depths, that things aren't going well. And when we sing these praises, we are reminded of that hope. It's important. It's our, the purpose of the temple was to sing praises to God. It's important it directs you to God. 
The first two parts of this psalm have been very positive, but we're going to see that actually things start to turn in this next section. And this is the third purpose of the temple. The third purpose of the temple was to pray to God. Pray to God, to seek God's help. As we get to this next section, it's important that we see that what David is praying for is actually quite vague. We don't have a great context about all the different things that he's praying for. And that's a great thing. Because that means the temple is there that we can bring all of our struggles, all of our problems. Now, they could be, like David shows a little bit at the start, he needs forgiveness. He needs to come to God for forgiveness. He needs to come to God to be forgiven of the things that he's done. But it could also be other things in the world too. But they know that the temple exists that God would hear these prayers. God would hear the prayers of his people. God would hear the prayers. He would answer the prayers and he would deliver his people. We can see this in the first bit of this prayer. Verse 6 to verse 10. We see David here is praying to God. He confesses at the start and then he cries out for mercy for God. He says in verse 6, When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. He's praying. What is gained if I am silenced? What is gained if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Again, he says, hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. And did the Lord answer his prayers? We see in this next section, yes. In the temple, God's prayer, God answers prayers. God is praised in the temple. God is proclaimed in the temple. And this is the final purpose as we see in this temple. Let's give it a little bit of perspective. To give perspective. Because whilst in the temple, we see God answering people's prayers. We see People's mourning turn to dancing. They're weeping to joy. They take off the the sackcloth, the, the clothes of grief, and they put on the clothes of joy. They're ready to sing to God. And we see here, it's not just singing to God for a short term. It's singing to God forever. From verse 11. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. So can you see what this psalm is saying? The temple was where God helps the world. It's where he is proclaimed. It's where he is praised. And it's where he is prayed to. And all of this is going to result in, in great dancing and joy. But isn't it interesting, as we read through that psalm, do you see how many times David spoke of the building? This is a dedication of a building to God, yet he never even mentions the building. It speaks of God and the people's response. Now, we read this psalm 3,000 years after it was written, and we know so much about what happened to that temple that his son Solomon built. We see its failure to do all of these things. It failed to proclaim God to the world. It failed to praise God and to continually praise God. It failed as a place 
where people who are broken, who are guilty, could seek prayer and be forgiven. We see this if we look through Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, there's a story of an Ethiopian eunuch. This guy was so desperate for help. He left his high government position. He left everything. He could have lost everything. And he traveled 1,000 ancient kilometers to get to that temple. To get to that temple to pray to God. Yet we know that he would not have even been allowed to enter. Firstly, he was a foreigner. Foreigners were not allowed in under penalty of death. But even more than that, he was a sexually altered person. Hey, he couldn't go into this building. He wouldn't have been allowed inside. But we read in Acts chapter 8, he did find hope. He did find hope in someone else. And we see this even pointed to at the very dedication of the temple this psalm was written to. See, when Solomon built that temple, at that dedication, he prayed a prayer. And that prayer is written down in uh, 1 Kings 8, verse 27. And there, as he's praying this prayer, he's built this beautiful building, this temple for God, where the Holy Spirit was going to come and dwell in this place. But as he's praying the prayer, he says, Will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens can't contain you, much less this temple I have built. But when we read this, we know the answer is yes. God did dwell on earth. He dwelled on earth in Jesus. God did dwell on earth amongst his people. And when we think about how Jesus' life was fully dedicated to God, whilst that first temple failed, Jesus was successful. Jesus fulfilled that temple. Let's, let's just think back through all of the things that we just read in that psalm, and we can see that actually Jesus is the answer for all of these things. Whilst we have failed to proclaim God, whilst they failed to fully proclaim God, Jesus proclaimed that he had finished the word. In John 17, he said, I have made you known. I have finished the work. I have glorified your name. And then we think about Psalm 30, we, can, we see that really he did glorify God. Because in verse 1, it says, you lifted me out of the depths. We know God lifted Jesus out of the depths. The Romans and Jews couldn't keep him down. They couldn't gloat over him because his body was resurrected. He called out to God for help on a cross. Did God heal him? Yes. God did heal him. He was brought out from the realm of the dead. He was spared from the pit. And then going on to verse 4 and 5, we see in Jesus, God's anger for sin lasted but a moment. Jesus paid the prices for sin on the cross. But his favor, his grace goes forevermore. We see the weeping of the night of Good Friday. And we see the joy of the morning of Easter Sunday as he was raised from the dead. We even see in verses 6 and 7 that Jesus experienced the loss of God's favor upon him. That when Jesus was on the cross, he was dismayed. He yelled out to God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was his temple that was fulfilled. As we continue to read, we think about David was silenced. David did die and go down to the pit. But what if Jesus died and never rose again? What would be gained then? Of course, God had to raise him up from the realm of the dead. And he really does 
Jesus does turn our mourning into dancing, our sorrow into joy. But we see the very end of this psalm, it doesn't end there. The praises for God go on forever. They didn't just last 2,000 years ago when he raised from the dead. They continue on forever. Therefore, we know it's not the building that fixes everything. The building is not the thing that fixes everything. It's Jesus. Jesus is God's finisher. He completed everything. And the temple was supposed to point towards him. And that's actually what we see in the story in Acts chapter 8 of the Ethiopian eunuch. He was failed by the temple, but Philip, full of the Holy Spirit, comes alongside him. And what does he do? He points him to Jesus. I think here today that we often forget this truth. We come to church and we think that even in church, the church is going to fix everything. We're expecting the words to be perfect, the praises to be beautiful, everything to be perfect. All our brokenness changed forever. Everyone loving each other. Everyone loving each other as they should. But think back to the story of the eunuch. Because when the eunuch heard about Jesus, when the eunuch had hope in Jesus, it wasn't like he became a normal male after that, that everything else was fixed, that he, he lived a, a perfect life. No, he had hope. He had hope in something greater. And that greater thing is the end goal of this temple. Even though this temple that David built, oh, sorry, Solomon built, that David was dedicating it to, even though that temple was destroyed and failed, this psalm lasts on because it's pointing towards a greater temple. The temple which is heaven. The temple where the praises of God go on forever. Where God dwells fully with his people. Where God is forever where everything is fixed forever, because there, that's where the brokenness is fixed forever. That's where the eunuch found all of his joys. That's where the eunuch found everything was fixed. So it's very important for us to see the church isn't the end goal of the temple, but we're supposed to point towards it. We're supposed to point towards it, and we have a purpose now, just like the first temple had a purpose. We're not the finished product, but there is a truth. We do point towards that. And the reason why we point towards that is of another great promise. That God says that all those who put their trust in him, all those who dedicate their lives to him, they too, the people, become his temple. God's spirit dwells within them. And while they don't have everything fixed perfectly, God starts working in us now. He starts working in each one of us now. And we are now to, to work towards what God has called us to. We're to work towards pointing to Jesus, pointing to that hope in heaven. And I think it's very important that we realize that we're not perfect in this. We're not a, we're not a finished perfect temple, that it's a continual process. We see that this is what, it, what it's supposed to be like, that, that we're working towards it, that we're developing, we're growing in this. We need to work towards that. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. Because there we see in him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together. That's the people, it's the metaphor. The building is joined together and rises to become the holy temple in the Lord. It becomes the holy temple. 
And he goes on, in him, you two are being built together. We here as a church are being built together to become the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It's a present tense as we read this. It's a continual process. God is living within us and we're working towards that fulfillment. We're working towards that temple. We're working towards that. We're growing towards this. And we have a particular role that we need to do now. And it's laid out here clearly in the psalm. What are we to do now? We're to proclaim God to the world. We're to praise God. And we're to pray to God. It's great just listening to the prayers, the praises. And I'm proclaiming this today here. We're doing these things. We're doing these very things today. But God doesn't live in this building. This isn't church. When we leave from here, Monday to Saturday, we are still God's temple. God is still working in us. And we still have that same job. Sunday, we do these things as we gather together as people. But as we leave here, we are still the church. We are still the temple of God. God's spirit is still within us. So we have these three roles that we need to continue to do as we go out into the world. We need to proclaim the truth. Proclaim the truth as we go out of this. And I think this is something that's super hard for us to do right now. Coming out of lockdown, I realized how much I struggled. I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. But I remember that first Sunday out of lockdown, I saw everyone in church and I felt anxious. What am I to say? I haven't seen these people face to face. How do I act around these people? Face to face in people, it gets awkward. It's tough. And it's okay to recognize that. But it doesn't mean that we need to stop doing our purpose. We still need to proclaim the truth, proclaim God to the world. There is a desperate need. There's people everywhere out there who have a desperate need for the hope that Jesus brings. People are longing for it. And I think we need to understand what it's like for people who don't have Jesus, who don't have this hope. Have you seen them in the news? Have you seen them in the media? Where, have you seen them in your family and friends? Do you watch them struggle? They're struggling. They don't have this hope. Their despair is increasing. Their anxiety for the future is soaring. And the world of lies is just making things worse. As I thought about these things, I was reminded of when I was a teenager, when I heard a song. You won't know this song because... It was written by some band. I can't even remember the name of the band. I googled the words to try to work out who it was. I couldn't even find it on Google. That's how unique this song is. But it stuck with me. The words of this song stuck with me from a teenager. It transformed me as a teenager, but then I, read, I thought about it again. I realized I was very convicted about this because I was struggling to proclaim God's word to the, people, to the world. This song was written from the perspective as a non-Christian. A non-Christian who's yearning and searching for the very truth, the very things that we have here, the very hope that we have in Jesus, the very joy that we have in Jesus. It's yearning for that, but it's wondering why no one's telling it. No one's telling this person of this truth. I'm going I'm to read through you the words of this song. I wonder if they convict you as much as they convicted me. The words of this song go, You know the truth to set people free. You know the answers for people like me. 
You know the freedom in the book on that shelf. Why then do you keep it to yourself? You know the lies that I'm being told. You watch my journey to hell unfold you. You sit from afar. You watch darkness control me, ignoring my crisis. It's killing me. This is what it's like for those who do not know Jesus. You have a purpose right now to proclaim the truth of Jesus to those who do not yet know. It's awkward, but we cannot stay silent. And I don't think it has to be that hard or complicated either. Think back to Acts chapter 8, where Philip and the eunuch, what did Philip do? He came alongside the eunuch and first he listened. He came alongside and he listened. He listened to the things that the eunuch was hoping for, the answers that he was yearning for. He listened and he realized that Jesus was the answer to these things. We can do that same thing too. As we talk to our friends and our family, we have a purpose. We are God's temple to these people. We need to proclaim the truth to these people. Let's listen to them out of love. Speak to them out of love and share with them the very hope that we have. Share with them like David, how he was a sinner. He was being struck down by his enemies. He was feeling the effects of this broken world, but he turned to God and God forgave him. God healed him and God gave him the promise that he would not see death forever. We too have that promise in Jesus, that Jesus forgives us, that Jesus answers our prayers, that he will fix our bodies eternally in heaven, that we will not see death and stay dead, that we have a hope, a hope that those without Jesus don't have. Therefore, we need to proclaim that message. And if God has done that much to us, Shouldn't we be thankful and praise him? Isn't he deserving of all of our praises? Shouldn't we remember that hope that we have in him? That in him, that our chains are gone and we have been set free and we can sing for joy for what he has done. We can sing for joy. We can enjoy him. And those times that we are feeling broken and we are feeling chained down by our guilt and shame, we can sing and remember that Jesus has taken them away. He's cleansed us from our sin. He's cleared us from our shame. We can praise him forever. We can remember that in Jesus, God's anger was for a moment. But his promise for us is if we're trusting in him, his favor to us is for a lifetime, forever. This brings us to our third point. We need to pray to God. For those who are already trusting in Jesus, we can be like Philip in our prayer as well, who came alongside those who were broken, who were looking for hope, and can pray with them. We can be people that God can speak to. And today we come to church and none of us have perfect lives. Some of us are really struggling. And we can be a place that as we leave this building as you go to the Epping Club across the road, as you hang out and talk to each other. Let's just not leave it as an awkward time, but let's listen out. Let's pray for each other. Let's see where we can encourage each other 
and point each other to the hope that we have in Jesus. But maybe you are feeling like that Ethiopian eunuch. You're that person who desperately seeks God. Maybe you haven't realized that Jesus was the answer to your, what you're searching for. Maybe you've been trying to, to make yourself good enough by the things of this world, trying to be accepted. Maybe you've been turned away like he was from that temple. You feel like God has turned his face from you. This psalm is to remind us that we can come to God in prayer. We can come to God in prayer and we can pray to him and he hears our prayers. He hears our prayers. We can give ourselves to him. We can come as we are as a broken person and ask him to fix us. We can give our lives to him and let him put us back together. Heal us of our brokenness. And the end of this psalm reminds us that God answers the prayers of those who come to him. He will give you hope. He will turn your mourning to dancing. He will turn your sorrow into joy. He will put his spirit within you. He will transform you. And you will live forever with him in the temple. And even now today, you can be part of that temple. So in this time of the great resignation, where people are throwing everything up in the air, we look to this psalm and remember our purpose. It grounds us in who we are and what we're supposed to do. If we're trusting in Jesus, we are the temple. We're the temple pointing towards Jesus and the hope we have in heaven. And therefore, we need to remember these Ps. We need to remember to proclaim God to the broken world. To praise God for what he's done for us and for who he is. And we need to pray to him and seek him in our desperate need. We're going to do one of them right now as we turn to God in prayer. Let's turn to God as we pray And after that, we're going to turn to God in praise. And that leaves you to go out there and proclaim it afterwards. Let's turn to God and ask for help to do these things. God, we come to you as broken people. People who do not deserve anything. But through Jesus, you have given us great promises. That as we trust in you, you put your spirit within us. Lord, heal us. Heal us of our brokenness. Cleanse us of our guilt and our shame. And renew us with a new joy, with a new body and a new hope as we trust in you. Give us your spirit. Give us your spirit that we could be your temple, that you would dwell within us and with your spirit within us. Help us to proclaim you to the world. Help us to praise you, praise you in joy and praise you in sorrow. Help us to turn to you in prayer and remember our mountain doesn't stand firm because of ourselves. We don't stand because of ourselves. We need you. We need you to transform us. As we come to you in prayer, Lord, we pray that you would turn our mourning into dancing our sorrow into joy. Give us the strength to do this, to proclaim you, to praise you, and to continue to pray for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.